Grab your seats. If you've got a Bible, can you grab a Bible and go to Revelation 21? We're going to get there in just a moment. Revelation chapter 21. If you haven't met me, my name is Stuart. I'm the leader of the church. Very warm welcome. What we're going to do today has been a little bit different. I'm going to speak for a little bit, then Melanie's going to come and finish us off this morning before we go into a little bit of time of worship to end uh, what we're doing. Now, we've been doing uh, three weeks on our sort of Christmas series, Let the Light Shine. We had... um, and we framed it around a verse, a verse in uh, John 1 chapter, sorry, John chapter 1 verse 9. And it says this, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And week one, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the true light. We went into Luke chapter 1 and we looked at who this true light was and what we found out about him. And we found out that he was promised from long ago that he was given to ordinary people like Mary and Joseph and he was surrounded by miracles even from his birth. Uh, We also had Messy Christmas that weekend where we looked at this theme in person online and God came and did some great stuff amongst us and the light shone. Then week two, last week, we had our carol service, which in hindsight was a really good move. (laughs) Having our carol service last week in light of everything I'm reading on social media about church having to carol, they cancel their carol service this week. We had a great time. We did it twice. We had loads of guests. Uh, Melanie spoke um, about the light for everyone. We had a brilliant time. If you missed any of that, there's stuff on YouTube you can look. Our band did a fantastic job, recorded a bunch of the carols, um, and they're all there, plus the bits from the, um, the carol service. You can go and catch up if you've missed any of that. And now this, we come to this week, week three, which is the final bit, and we're going to look about this true light being um, the light for everyone. But before we get into that, I just want to take you back to an earlier season in my life, and there was one year... Uh, way back, it's getting further and further away now, the older I get, but there was this one year where a couple of big things happened in my life, and that is I I started my first job, my first proper job um, as a school teacher, as a primary school teacher, and also within a very short season after that, I got married uh, to Melanie, and what, what happened was I knew I got the job before I started the job, so I went to interview um, at the school, da 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 and then I got a call from the head teacher that evening saying, well done, you've got the job And I was super thrilled. But I wasn't going to start for several months. But what happened at that point when the head said, you've got the job, my life changed and how I acted changed because I went into school and met some of the other staff. I started doing training. I started doing research. I was away in the summer, a kind of a Christian event, and I was serving in a team. And there was a young lady on the team who was also a school teacher, but she'd been teaching a few years ahead of me. Um, But she was going to teach the same year group I was. And so I started like peppering her with questions like what's it like teaching this year group they brought some new stuff in with their national literacy strategy how do I implement that and so she sent me a bunch of resources she was super helpful in getting me ready for when I went in in September and it was my class and I was getting ready to teach for the first time but also a few months after that uh, I was getting married and so over um, the summer I asked Melanie to marry me she said yes but then of course your life changes at that point once you know what's happening in six months' time, we're going to get married. We had started having to get ready. We had to book a venue. We had to do invitations. We did some pre-marriage prep and the like, and we geared ourselves up ready for that day. And the point of me telling you that is that when you know where you're heading, it affects what you do now. When you know your future destination, which for me was starting work, as a school teacher and getting married, it affected what I did in the present. 
as I had to gear myself up and get ready for that. And what we're going to be looking at today is this idea of when we know where we're heading, it should affect how we act now. When we know where we're heading, it should affect how we act now. And if you've gone to your Bible, we should be uh, Revelation chapter 21. I'm just going to read a couple of short verses uh, from them. The context of the passage is this was a vision given to the Apostle John, who was a close friend of Jesus, the disciple Jesus loved, and he wrote the Gospel of John that we have, and he appears in the other Gospels as kind of one of the characters there, one of the 12 disciples. Uh, and later in life, he's been following the Lord after Jesus ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, uh, and he's an old man. And because he's still following the Lord, he, as a result of that, he's under persecution. He gets sent to an island called Patmos. And while he's there, he has a vision of what's happening, of the risen Lord Jesus. And the Lord then reveals stuff to him there. And at the climax of that vision, we get a look into the future, the far future. So if you've got Revelation uh, chapter 21, I'm just going to read a couple of verses from the beginning. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And so what John sees there, he sees an image of the new heaven and the new earth, which have gone together. They've, they're no longer separated, which is that cryptic thing about no more sea. Sea was a picture of separation and chaos uh, in our Bibles. We read that particularly in the Old Testament, and he said, that's gone. There's now the, the, the image of man living on earth and God living in heaven have come together. And so there's no, going to be no turbulence, no restlessness. Everything's gone. And in the sense of this new creation, new heaven and earth, you've got the new Jerusalem, which is God's city where God's people dwelt. And this city is beautiful. It's like a bride beautifully dressed for a husband. If you've ever been to a wedding, and there's everyone, the bet everyone's waiting for at the beginning is what? Everyone's chatting, and then you hear the, you know, the music starts, everyone turns, and what they're looking for? The bride. The bride's here. What's the dress like? All those questions. Even blokes ask those questions. What's she look like? What's the dress like? How's she going? And then she comes down the aisle from the back to the front, and everyone's like, oh! <gasps> And he says the new heavens and the new earth, got the new Jerusalem will be there and it will be like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And it will be a place of everlasting peace and joy because pain and death and sin and suffering and sorrow have all been removed. It has all gone. And if you skip to the end of the chapter, I'm going to read a few more verses. Verse 22 I'm going to read. It says, And I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So I'm just going to pick out three quick things and I'm going to hand over to Melanie who's going to bring some kind of application for us. First thing, God's people dwell in the presence of the light. God's people dwell in the presence of the light. He says, I saw no temple in the city, verse 22, for its temple is the Lord, the God, the Almighty and the Lamb. So there is no temple in this new Jerusalem, which is a contrast to the old Jerusalem. 
Because first of all, you had the tabernacle in the wilderness, that when God appeared on Mount Sinai to his people, the presence of God, they said to Moses, you've got to build me this tent effectively, very elaborate tent, but tent nonetheless. And in that, God's presence dwell. That then moves forward into when Jerusalem was there, King David has the vision, he passed that on to his son Solomon, who then builds the temple, and God's presence dwells in the temple amongst the people of God. And the tabernacle and the temple were built around the same principle. You had an outer sanctuary, then you had the holy place where you could go into, and then beyond that you had the most holy place, the holy of holies. And that's where God's presence dwelt, and there was access was restricted to each area depending on who you were. And the person who could only go into the presence of God was only one person. It was the high priest, and only once a year on one particular day, the Day of Atonement. So God's presence was there, but not everyone could go in. And it was in the city where God's people were, but actually it was restricted because of God's holiness and our sinfulness. But then we get Jesus comes and he fulfills all that. Well, hey, he's the perfect sacrifice. He opens the way. The temple curtain is ripped. We can go into God's presence. The Spirit is now poured out on the church, us, his people, and the Spirit of God now dwells with us. And what we see here in Revelation is the final fulfillment of that. Although God's presence is with us, by his Spirit, we're still imperfect. We're still not fully in the presence of God. There's still that kind of, it's here, but it's not fully here. We still have our own frailties and foreboys. But then what we get to here, we see in Revelation, he says, suddenly we are dwelling in the presence of the light. And there's no separation. The sea is gone. He says, there's no more crying, no more suffering, no more tears, no more sin. And what we see is the fulfillment of the New Testament hope. 1 Peter 2. Verse 5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Ephesians 2.20 says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus being himself the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows to a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together in the dwelling place of God by the Spirit. And what we see here at the end in Revelation is this picture of the people of God dwelling in the presence of God. There's no more need for separation. There's no sin. There's no temple. There's no priesthood as such in the old ways. No sacrifices. Actually, God has bailed all that. He's fulfilled that. And he's brought us all together to be one people together with God, dwelling in the presence of the light. Then we get to number two. It says the source of the light. Who is the light? Well, it says in verse 23, And the city has no need for sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it the light, and the lamp is the Lamb. It also said it in the previous verse that I read, 22. It points very clearly to the Lamb there. And the Lamb is a direct reference to? Good. Some of you didn't sound sure, but that's okay. It's Jesus, I'll tell you that. It points to Jesus, and it talks about the sun and the moon. Now, why the sun and the moon? Well, the sun and the moon, go back to Genesis chapter 1, appear right at the beginning of our Bible. God created them, the sun to govern the day, the moon to govern the night. They were the sources of light in the world. But actually, we don't need them anymore in the new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem. Why? Because Jesus is the light. And if you dwell perfectly in the presence of Jesus, you don't need created light, you have the creator right there. So he is the source of light. And so God's people dwell in God's presence. And the source of the light is God himself. It is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So it even says in the next verse that there is no need for night as such as we understand it because Jesus is the source of light and he is the ever 
present one who is with God's people right there. And he is the lamb, the Passover lamb, the one that's hinted way back in Exodus, then carries all the way through to the sacrificial system. That Even John the Baptist says, here's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus dies in our place where our sins rises. Um, victory, ascends to heaven, sends the spirit, and he will illuminate the city. And to be in his presence is to be in the presence of the light where everything is seen and everything is made known. And his light will shine on it all and we can live in it and we can enjoy it and we can see everything the way it should be seen forever. And the third and final thing I just want to pick out is this light is for all nations. goes on verse 24. By its light the nations will walk. The nations will walk. This true light that has come into the world for everyone is for all the nations of the world. If you skip back a few chapters in Revelation, you have this stunning verse in chapter 7. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The purpose of the light coming into the world is for men and women to be able to see, see the truth, see how life should be lived, see who the creator it all is. Man is not God, God is God. And God's plans were not restricted to one particular ethnic group in one particular part of the world in one particular time, but for all peoples of all nations for all time And regardless of your race or your age or your nationality or your ethnicity or your wealth or your background or your education level, Jesus came for you. Jesus came so that you could see. Jesus came so that lives may be transformed and men and women may come into his family, be adopted into that, know God as Father, be filled with the Spirit, be brothers and sisters together. And Jesus came at that first Christmas. We've sung about that. We'll sing about it again. He lived the perfect life. He died on death on the cross in our place for our sins. He rose bodily from death, victorious. He ascended to heaven. He sent God the Holy Spirit to be with the church. And one day he will return for his people and usher in a new creation, a new heavens, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. And we will all be with him forever. And he commands us as his followers to go where? All the world and proclaim the good news. To teach and train others to do the same and so on and so forth. To see churches planted, to see the poor fed to be the orphans and the widows brought into families and to see his name honoured and glorified always. God's people said? Amen. Amen. Melanie, do you want to come and just finish us off? Okay, so um, the way my gift works is I'm going to chuck out a load of things for you to consider, for you to think about. Um, you might want to jot down some notes of some things that God might be saying to you personally about what you would do out the back of this. So these are the kinds of things that you would listen to and go, yeah, that's for me personally. I want to take that away and do something with it. So through this series, there's been a few things that God has just spoken to me about that I've just thought I really want us to grasp this as a people. So the first thing is simply this. We are a singing, dancing, celebrating, thanksgiving kind of a people. And that means we do those things no matter what. So we do those things in our darkest moments and we do them in our highest points. 
and we do them at every step in between, we make a decision to celebrate, sing, dance and give thanks. And we do that because he is the light and I am not the light. So the one who lights it all up, the one who inhabits us, the one who is here by his spirit, he's the light and he never changes. So although my circumstances change all the time, day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, he never changes. So he is always worthy of our praise. He's always worthy of our devotion. He's always worthy of our thanks. Even when actually when we look around us, we just think there doesn't feel like there's much to give thanks for here. He is always worthy of our thanks. So I want to suggest some really practical things for you. Find yourself some music that you can connect up with, worship music. And it might be that there's a particular church. It might be some of the carols here. It might be there's particular phrases. I'm, I'm a big one in the prophetic for phrases. So things that speak to you for a season. So it might be you're in a season where actually what's really pressing in on you is that God is very present. And I would search for songs with that theme and make them your anthem for whatever season you're in. It might be that you're finding things desperately hard and actually you need songs that talk about the God of breakthrough or the God who comes down low. But I would find songs that basically help you get to him and I would play them everywhere. So because we are a singing people, it means that even if you don't have the greatest voice, we still sing, we still dance. I would suggest carving out little bits of time in your day, in your week, to actually just get some worship on and dance. And again, you don't need to be able to dance like you're out of Strictly. You can just... I, I mean, I dance in my kitchen all the time. There are some seriously disastrous moves that go on in the kitchen, in the crane house. But I don't really care. And my boys don't really care. Daddy sometimes will come down and, and join in and sometimes leave. Um, it depends on the songs. But I think it's a training thing so that when we then come together as a family, we're not British and all kind of like this. We're kingdom. So we, we dance, we sing, we celebrate because we belong to the king. And being intentional about it, doing it at home, doing it in the car. I often dance in the car. I think people must think I'm a nutter. But I, I'm often like, like jigging and, and dancing when I'm in the car. The boys do it as well. I've noticed it. They'll be sitting in their seats like jigging. It just gets us, it gets us in a right mindset, in a right attitude, giving thanks, making just a habit of daily, just jotting down anything that you've got to be thankful for. If you're struggling, just think about him. So if you can't find anything in your current situation and circumstances, think about what he's done for you and that will always be true. Think about the things that he's given you, blessed you with. Think about the things that are spiritual and lasting, not the things like money and wealth and position and status that come and go. Think about the things that you own that belong to you for stop the end. Think about what it means in a world that, that doesn't know this truth. Think about what it means that you know you're chosen, that you're loved. Before you even drew breath, you were loved. 
before you were even brought into being. Think about what that's like to know that. Think about what it's like to not know that. Just zone, zoom in on the things that you know about God and give thanks. Celebrate things. So in your life groups, in your homes, in, your, in church on Sunday, celebrate stuff. Just own it and go, this is fantastic. This is amazing. Don't be embarrassed about it. Don't hang back on it. Write it down on your WhatsApp groups. Just get in a habit of celebrating because that's what we're like. We're a singing, dancing, thanksgiving, celebrating kind of a people. Next, we're a people of the word. So we dance, we sing, we whoop, we cheer, we give thanks no matter our circumstances, but we're people who open our Bibles. And I think through the Let the Light Shine series, one of the things God has impressed upon me all the way through it and from doing the daily reading is it's the word that holds us, but it's only powerful if we open it up. I said this at the carol service, it is literally just a book unless you open it. It's not a powerful book sitting on your shelf doing nothing. It's not a powerful book that you can point out and go, I've got six Bibles. Average household has six Bibles. That's not a powerful book. It's a powerful book if you get it down and open it up. It's a powerful book on your iPhone or smartphone if you open it up. It's a powerful book if you read it and allow it to affect your life and be changed by it. So in January, we've been doing the Let the Light Shine daily reading. I hope you've been enjoying that. We've been loving that in our house. Just every day focusing in on the light and just enjoying him. From January all the way through to Easter, we're going to read through Mark together as a local church and that's um great choice if you chose the Fillmore Mark book excellent choice because in January we're going to encourage you all to be reading through that gospel all the way to Easter and hopefully what God is going to be speaking to us about will be similar kind of themes and threads I would suggest you literally open your Bible if it's not a habit that you've made till yet and you're struggling thinking how do I do this get Mark open read a little chunk jot something down out of it anything anything that jumps out anything that you think is exciting or interesting or you've got questions about and then go to your life group and go I've got these questions I've got these concerns I've got these comments it's really powerful reading the book and I think when they did a survey in in this country of the amount of evangelical Christians that do not read their Bibles I literally wept we, we just there's no we're just not authentic if we're not people of the word. We're just not grounded. We're not held. We're not captivated if we're not constantly surrounding ourselves by truth. And we will become like the people we spend time with and listen to. So if we spend time in his word and we're soaked in truth, we will become like him. It's a, it's a natural thing to, to read and to connect and then your behavior is altered it's a way that God can speak to us. It's a way that we can be disciplined. Discipline, it might sound like a dirty word, but it is an important thing for us to be disciplined as people, to look after ourselves spiritually and physically. If you're struggling to read your word, I'd love to know about it. I'd love to try and be helpful. We're looking again in January onwards at some more things in the Royal Life School just to help 
people really get to grips with reading their Bible. If you don't own one, I would love to sort that out. It's one of my favourite things to buy people Bibles. We have a great budget for it in church that if you do not own one or the Bible you've got you just don't connect with, the wording is too difficult, the language is too difficult, the translation's too difficult. I'd love you to talk to us and, and work that out with us and we will get you a new Bible. So we're a people of the word and we're a people who get our feet in the dream. And, and I, I felt God speak to me about this last week. It's not enough to dream great big dreams. You actually have to get your feet in them. And the way you get your feet in dreams is not by doing massive things that are way out there. You get your feet in dreams in God by doing tiny things, small things right now. The way you get to inhabit your dreams, walk in your dreams, for the dreams to become a reality is you make tiny, small decisions right now to serve that make sure your feet are in the dream. So the dream for real life is to be large, influential, reproducing. The way we get to inhabit that dream and be a part of that dream is by saying yes right now to seemingly quite small, insignificant things Seemingly things that that you think, well, does it really matter? But dreams are made like that. I get to walk around in things that that God spoke to me about years ago. Like I, I literally could have sobbed when Matt said, 22 years ago, God spoke to me about this. And now, what what are his feet doing? They're literally walking in them. But he hasn't spent 22 years going, why am I not on church staff yet? What's happened to that? What's going on? He hasn't spent 22 years sitting around doing nothing. He spent 22 years saying yes to the small things, serving, getting down low. And then he finds his feet in the dream, finds his feet walking around in what God had promised And that's the way, I've never seen it work any different in the kingdom. The way the kingdom works, because this is the way Jesus works, is we get down low and we say yes to all the small things. We say yes to all the things that advances his kingdom, whether or not we particularly, there's so many jobs that we do, let's be honest, in church, that are not the things that I feel uniquely wired for or that an angel spoke to me about. It's because it needs doing to make the whole work. And if I do them, we get to be large, influential, reproducing. If I sit down and go, nah, that's beneath me, that's too little for me, that's too small, do you not know my big dream? We don't get to inhabit the big dream. And I would suggest in a room like this, There are a load of dreams. There are a load of things that you want to see happen, that you want to take hold of. And I would think in a room like this, there are people who are confused as to why they're not walking in the big dream over here, but they're saying no to the small things here. And that was something that God spoke to me about that I just thought from in my own heart, God checked me on, but I also felt like he wanted to check us all on it and say, actually... We have a big dream as a local church. We have a big dream to be large, influential, and reproducing to affect this town, this city, this nation, and the nations of the world. And we're a small people so far, but I know that we already have impact in all of those places. 
I know we already punch way above our weight because in the small things we've gone yes, 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 yes. I am, when it comes to Jesus, a bit of a yes woman. And I would encourage us to all think like that and be like that. So I would encourage us to be a singing dancing celebrating thanksgiving kind of people and to put stuff into your week to make sure that happens to put practices in to train your kids to be grateful to be thankful to dance to sing to train yourself to do those things to celebrate dance and sing in the mess and in the muck and in the hard places struck me this week that how God chose to come was to get down so low and come in amongst us all. So to place himself in the stable, to be restricted as a baby, to be in the hay and the straw, amongst the smell, amongst the mess, amongst the dirty lives, amongst the, the gossip that there would have been surrounding Mary. And in amongst all of that, God placed himself And I do believe he would ask us to be exactly the same, to place ourselves like that, to recognize him, to work out what he's doing around us. So to be a people that recognize him, give thanks, sing, dance, to be a people of the word. And I know sitting here that makes some of you uncomfortable because you think, I'm just not reading my Bible. I want to suggest sort that out this year. Don't be part of the statistics that says evangelical Christians do not read their Bibles. That absolutely devastates me. Of all the people on planet Earth who should read their Bibles, it is born-again, believing, Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians. Like that should be at like 90% easy because the others, you know, are asleep or something. That should be that should be off the charts high because we are a people that believe in God's word and God's spirit. So in a congregation like this, that'll mean nine out of every ten people want to be reading their Bibles, want to be really going after God. Is that mass right? Yeah. And mass is not my strong point. Um, it means that we want to be training one another, helping one another, stirring one another. It means that we don't want to spend another year going, I just don't read my Bible, I just don't know how to do it. And then it becomes a dirty little secret that we can't possibly say, tell our life group or tell our leaders, because they always bang on about it. I can't say, I'd just rather you just said, I don't read it, I don't get it, I don't understand it, and then we can get in there and help you with it. So if that's you and you're just sitting there uncomfortably thinking, oh no, and you'll avoid eye contact with me later, don't. Just say, it's me and I want to sort it out. Need to be a people of the word. And lastly, we need to be a people that get our feet in the dream. And that means saying yes to lots of little low things. So if something comes your way that's little and low, recognize it as a kingdom thing. So I will wipe the floors. To be honest, I would do anything to advance the kingdom because I know that every time I come down low, God just lifts me right up because that's what he's like. Every time I serve, every time I put myself second, third or fourth or fifth, he just lifts it right up. There's something about heaven that just connects with when we're like Jesus, when we come down low and we serve. So I want to encourage us to be a yes people.
Amen. I've just got a couple of specific bits that I just want to bring from the front. I'm, I'm not doing it to humiliate you or anything. I just, I just wanna, I just wanna share a couple of bits, and then we're gonna worship. And if you would like us to pray for you at the end, we will do a bit of that. Um, I'm probably going to, oh, oh, yeah, if I get your name wrong, I'm so sorry. So Trudy and Jamie, thanks. So I've, my mum has asked for something really random for Christmas, and it's called a puzzle sorter. I say it's random because I don't really make puzzles, but it's a um, like a little set of drawers like five little drawers where when you're making a puzzle, you separate out, I had to read up on it because I was like, what even is this? You separate out all the colours and you put them in the different drawers and you get your puzzle all ready so that when you build it, you build quick. So you don't have to spend loads of time sorting and sifting because you've already done that job. Um, and I turned around and looked at you and I literally saw this puzzle sorter and just thought, what's that? And I felt God say to me that um, sometimes we have to sit and sort and sift in order to build quick and fast, in order to get a picture together really succinctly, really strong and really vivid. Sometimes we have to sit and sort and sift. And I felt there was a season for you guys where God would sift and God would sort and God would look at colour and he'd look at definition and shape and he would arrange those so that when he says now's the time, you can pull it together quick. You can pull it together and build something that has about it shape and definition and texture and, and has a clear picture. And I think at the moment... It, Sometimes when you tip a puzzle box out, you look at it and just think, how's this supposed to work? What, what even is this? And it can look a little bit of a muddle and a mess. And actually, once he gets his hands on it and sifts and sorts, it can then be built quickly. So I hope that makes some kind of sense. You can talk to me afterwards. Um, I can't see. I can't see where she is. Oh, there you are. Ade, you're right at the back there. Um, I didn't think you were coming today, so when I saw you, I, I literally thought, you're not supposed to be here. And because I'm an external processor, I had to stop myself. I had to stop that being my welcome to you. You're not supposed to be here. And I, I, when, when I sat down, I felt God speak to me about that. And he just said, sometimes you do feel out of place. Sometimes you look at yourself and think, what? What, what am I doing? What's going on? Why am I here? And I felt like God said, people who stand out, who are different, who bring something completely different, they have to be so brave to continue to stand because it often feels uncomfortable. It often feels, it, you often feel like the place I'd like to do is, is run out of the door. But what God's actually asked of you, you yourself and you as a family, is to stand, is to literally plonk your feet down and stay put. And to literally, it, it is the only way, I believe, that he will change things is if people who bring something different stay planted and stay stuck and stay stationary and literally take a breath and go, no, I'm here. This is, this is me, this is what I'm doing. I'm not suggesting that you were thinking of leaving church. That's not at all what I'm suggesting. I think you stand in places sometimes where you just think, why am I here? What, what have you got for me, God? And you do at times feel out of place or different. 
And I wanted to encourage you to plant your feet and stay put and actually affect change by being different. Make it easier for others to come amongst who are different just literally by plonking your foot down and going, no, I won't move. I hope that's that's all right. I had a couple of other bits I'm going to bring at the end of worship if that's all right. So I'd love us to stand. I'd love us to worship. Worship team, I can't even see the clock. Oh yeah, there's the clock, good. Let's worship a little bit. Let's bring ourselves before God. Let's not lose this sense of God showing us this great vision and then coming back here and saying, okay guys, Let's make some steps now to walk into this stuff.